And the Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. As we gather for ordered worship, the liturgy, music, and homily are offered this day for our community here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written and emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Upon this Bach Sunday, we gather as children of God whose spiritual nourishment is the true, the good, and the beautiful. Today in song and word, in cantata and sermon, in evocation and vocation, we bow in worship. We attend to God. We pause in attention to the living God for once, this once, once to begin this week. Ours is a common prayer. Dearest God, have mercy. Let comfort and grace appear. Dearest God, have mercy. Let comfort and grace appear. Dearest God, have mercy. Let comfort and grace appear. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Grant us, Lord, not to be anxious about earthly things, but to love things heavenly. And even now, while we are placed among things that are passing away, to hold fast to those that shall endure. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from the book of Exodus, chapter 16, verses 2 through 15. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way I will test them, whether they will follow my instructions or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaints against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Um, Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? for they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalms 105 with the antiphon. give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the people, sing Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wonderful works, glory in his name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually, remember the wonderful works he has done his miracles and the judgments he uttered. 
offspring, his servant Abraham, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Then he brought Israel out with silver and gold, and there was no one among their tribes who stumbled. Egypt was glad when they departed, for the dread of them had fallen upon it. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light by night. They asked, and he brought the quails, and he gave them food for heaven in abundance. He opened the rock, and water gushed out. It flowed through the desert like a river, for he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham his servant. So he brought his people out with joy, his chosen ones with singing. He gave them the lands of the nations, and they took possession of the wealth of the peoples, that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the glory patri and the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, 
Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be the first, and the first will be the last. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Lord Christ. Here at Marsh Chapel over the last decade, we have endeavored to offer our listenership around the globe and our congregation here in the flesh a distinctive confluence of music and word come Bach Sundays. By experiment and practice, we have tried to allow the preaching of the gospel, God's external word of grace in sermon, and the music of the church, the praise of God in voice and instrument, to dance together to become a mutual enrichment and a call to faith. Over time, that has led us, Scott and me, Dr. Jarrett and me, to reform the service and the sermon upon these Sundays into an, into an antiphonal teaching, including a sermon in dialogue. To our current knowledge, what you hear here is sui generis, not like something or anything else, what we hope is a part of what across the oikumene is distinctive, better, and best about Marsh Chapel. In preparation for the confessional humility of today's cantata, we give ear to our Holy Scripture. In Matthew 20, in the vineyard, our parable represents the undifferentiated rewards of the kingdom of God, as Rudolf Bultmann so well put it. The parable affirms divine generosity and inscrutable divine goodness and goodness and generosity. Its point, behold the divine generosity. Do not begrudge the divine generosity. Consider the parable found only in Matthew. All the workers are paid the same as in life, so here in Scripture there is no sure, consistent justice. To be sure, the landowner has paid what he agreed to pay. To be sure, hour by hour, the workers have received what they agreed to receive. To be sure the daily needs of all for the day to come are met, from each according to his stamina and to each according to his needs. To be sure the added proverb about last becoming first and first last fits the parable awkwardly, if at all. The parable acclaims 
God's bounteous generosity, not God's impartial justice. When a job truly fit and meant for you goes to another on a shaky or unjust premise or process, you know the feeling of the early workers. When an illness unearned and unexpected afflicts your loved one, you know the feeling of those working among the grapes and feeling the grapes of wrath. When a day begins and ends as an existential illustration of Shakespeare's 66th sonnet, you know the resentment, the resentment addressed in the story from Matthew 21 through 16. Let us attend carefully for a moment to Matthew. In the vineyard, the undeniable difference between equality and justice faces us as it did Jesus, Matthew, and the rabbis that came, came later. Jesus, loving the Amha'aretz, the poor of the land, may have been telling the Pharisees to broaden their embrace. Matthew, among Jews and Gentiles, Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, may have been admonishing the former to honor the latter. And the rabbis in the same period used the same story, but added that the later workers did in two hours what took the earlier ones all the livelong day. Scott, tell us, if you will, for a moment and in a moment, about the cantata this morning. Bob, we have a different setting of divine generosity, and where today's parable from Matthew focuses on God's divine generosity, our pericope from Luke focuses on what we must do to receive God's divine generosity. So it focuses on Bach's Gospel of the Day from this cantata in August of 1723. The gospel of that day was the Luke parable about the tax collector and the Pharisee. You'll recall with me that that uh, parable depicts an outwardly pious Pharisee praying ostentatiously, taking advantage of the presence of the tax collector to boost his own piety. By contrast, the tax collector remained in the back of the temple, out of sight, head bowed, beating his breast in complete humility. Bach's lesson is a very heavy-handed warning against the hypocrisy of the Pharisee and an injunction to all, for us to align our inner and outer attitudes of faith. Furthermore, our own depravity of sin weighs us down, and it is only by acknowledging our sin before God that we may attain God's mercy and grace, that divine generosity of today's Matthew lesson. So everybody sit up straight and um, pay attention. Good. In our survey of the cantatas over these 11 years in our Bach experience, we have come to understand a rhythm of how these musical sermons work. Broadly speaking, they move from orthodoxy, a general corporate statement, and then they trace through the cantata and become more personal or pietist. Uh, and they find that theology uh, making relevance to inner and outer lives today before then transforming that corporate final message um, as, as uh, informed by that uh, personal message within, typically in some sort of chorale setting at the end. 
First, let's consider the two arias that form the central portion of the cantata. Each is preceded by a recitative in which Bach's librettist reminds the listener of the elements in the parable from Luke. The tenor leads off by indicting today's Christians as puffed up, aufgeblasene, and outwardly righteous, and ultimately lacking in the kind of inner purity that's required for divine generosity. Following the recitative, the same tenor sings a scathing aria, likening these hypocrites, these heuchler, to Zodom's apple, to apples of Sodom, a mythological fruit that dissolves into ash and smoke once they are picked. That which is gleaming and beautiful fruit on the outside, as soon as you touch it, it dissolves into ash because of the filth on the inside. Are you still sitting up straight? Good. The next pairing of Reset and Aria brings this message home in a more personal way, a more immediate and personal call to true piety and faith. The bass soloist reminds us that the only way to attain relief from this sinful state is to acknowledge your sins before God. Next comes the most beautiful aria in the cantata, sung by soprano with two hunting oboes, the oboe staccata, played in modern instruments by English horns. The message here is plangent and a pious prayer of mercy. The interweaving oboe lines played over the pulsing continual line set up the soprano's fervent plea for mercy. In the middle of the aria, she describes the depth of her sin as coming from within her bones and that they drown her in a deep schlam, a deep mire. Listen for the text painting throughout this aria used by Bach to depict the weight of our sin. Without any turn toward promised redemption or assurance of pardon, the cantata concludes with the expected four-part chorale setting. Here, Ich Armermensch continues the distressed state of the soprano by sustaining her emotion, and thereby the congregation takes up the soprano's prayer. The cantata is decidedly didactic, start to finish, with the moral of the story appearing right at the front as the text of the first movement. See that your fear of God is not a hypocrisy, and do not serve God with a false heart. Bach sets this opening movement in an older style of polyphonic writing, and as much as the text is a rule or a law, he sets this, as you might expect, as a fugue. But there's one element that truly takes this form to heights only possible in the hands of Bach. The second entrance of the fugue is in complete inversion of the original subject, an exact mirror image. Bach's fugue bears the same message on the outside as on the inside, a true musical device to provide the enduring lesson of the gospel of the day. In music, as in word, we listen for that enduring lesson. That is, we listen again to the words in St. Matthew, a portion of his gospel that is all his own, unshared by Mark, unshared by Q, unshared in the rest of Scripture. Our landowner, through Matthew's rendering, is called an oikodespotes. You can hear, even in our connection to English, despot, household despot. 
a person of some power. The allegory is clear. God is obliged to nobody. We really are not in a position to say what God can and cannot do. Further, the timing of God's grace and generosity is God's own affair, only without prejudice either to the early or to the late. In this way, Matthew concurs with Paul's writings in 1 Thessalonians and elsewhere that the living will not precede the dead in the hour of judgment. Our parable does not rely on the famous passage read earlier from Exodus 16, though this is a passage that we should know and know about. Yet the acclamation of divine generosity in both, in the lesson and the parable, is the same. Evening comes and morning, and in the morning there is a sweet hoarfrost covering all the ground a layer of dew under which is the manna from heaven, the bread the Lord has given you to eat. We have again to ponder the labor at the heart of life and the labor at the heart of faith. Faith comes by hearing, but it is an active, employed listening that allows for hearing. Faith is a gift, But it is a gift like any other that requires receipt and response and embrace and a thank you note. If faith comes by hearing, by the way, it will help if we are in earshot. We truly have nothing better to do come Sunday than to spend one hour in worship. Faith comes as a gift at the time of God's choosing. But to labor and live in faith requires of us a steady, even fruitful practice of faith. Here is what Paul is driving at in all his letters. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel. A word of faith in a pastoral voice toward a common hope. I wonder about you and me. Has the unfailing light and love of divine generosity worked on us at all this past week? Are we better people than we were last Sunday? Are we able to pray each day? Martin Luther, the 500th anniversary of whose reformation we remember this autumn, recommended morning prayer to include a recitation of the Ten Commandments, a recitation of the Apostles' Creed, and a recitation of the Lord's Prayer, morning by morning. Will the remembered humility of this parable in Matthew 20 and the powerful call to contrition today of this cantata and its music Bring us to quiet, to attention, or even to our knees morning by morning? And are we better as a people than we were last Sunday? Luther celebrated the external word, not just spirit, not just experience, but the external word in preaching 
the external word in sacrament, the external word in forgiveness, confession, and absolution. Can we somehow find our way to church one way or another to hear and be fed and receive that lasting external word? Here, too, is John Calvin, for once, interpreting this parable. We may also gather that our whole life is useless and we are justly condemned of laziness until we frame our life to the command and to the calling of God. From this it follows that they labor in vain who thoughtlessly take up this or that kind of life and do not wait upon, wait for God's calling. Finally, we may also infer, he wrote, from Christ's words that only they are pleasing to God who work for the advantage of their brethren. Ailey Bissell said, He who hears a witness becomes a witness. He reminds us of who we are at Boston University. Martin Luther said, Here I stand, I can do no other. God help me. He reminds us of who we are in religious life. Thomas Merton said, Love is my true identity. Selflessness is my true love. Love is my character. Love is my name. He reminds us of who we are as Christian people. And Martin Luther King Jr. said, The moral arm of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. He reminds us of who we are at Marsh Chapel. Dearest God, have mercy. Let comfort and grace appear. Dearest God, have mercy. Let comfort and grace appear. Dearest God, have mercy. Let comfort and grace appear. Amen.
heutge Christentum ist leider schlecht bestellt. Die meisten Christen in der Welt sind laulichte Laudizea und aufgeblasene Pharisäer, die sich von außen fromm bezeigen und wie ein Schilf den Kopf zur Erde beugen. Im Herzen aber steckt ein stolzer Eigentrum. Sie gehen zwar in Gottes Haus und tun da selbst die äußerlichen Pflichten, macht aber dies wohl einen Christen aus. Nein, Heuchler können's auch verrichten. Der heißt ein wahrer Christ. So 
remember that Bach gave us God's word, Mozart gave us God's laughter, and Beethoven gave us God's fire. And God gave us music that we might pray without words. We thank the Marsh Chapel Choir and Collegium under the direction of Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett for their leadership of us in prayer this morning. For those of you interested in more information about the cantata you just heard or the cantatas that are upcoming throughout the rest of the year, we encourage you to take a copy of our listener's guide that is available in the narthex on your way out. There are program notes uh, and information about the upcoming performance in the spring semester of the Bach St. John Passion uh, and the educational opportunities that will be available around that in February and March. Again, our listener's guide in the narthex following the service. Toward the end of our service, our children are encouraged to attend our children's education opportunity by leaving during uh, and headed to the narthex to meet Nick and Merritt during the singing of the last hymn. For the rest of us, we encourage you to join us downstairs for our fellowship hour after the service, and at 12.30, Bible study is offered in the Thurman Room. More information on that in an insert in your bulletin. Also in your bulletin is information about UMCOR kits that MOVE, the Marsh Organization for Volunteer Engagement, is putting together uh, in order to uh, make a contribution to hurricane disaster relief. We hope encourage you to contribute to that as you are able. On Thursday evening, our semesterly Painting in the Spirit event will take place here at Marsh Chapel at 7 o'clock in the evening in the Marsh Room, led by our Chaplain for International Students, Jess Chica. Please do be in touch with her by email or through the Chapel office uh, in order to reserve space for that event as space is limited. Uh, And uh, more information, again, can be found in your bulletin. Next Sunday here at Marsh Chapel is World Communion, uh, and around the world is World Communion Sunday, and we will be celebrating that here at Marsh Chapel in part by uh, the uh, bearing of the word uh, in the sermon next Sunday by Jess Chica, our in- university chaplain for international students. We look forward to seeing you here again next week. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, let us walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Lord God, bless the gifts that are offered unto you this day and help us to remember the power of your love and sacrifice as we continue to give you with full heart ourselves today and in the days to come. In your holy name, amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit, be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen. <laughs>